I'm I'm super excited because I wasn't planning on doing any podcast type stuff. Um, uh -huh. But I wanted to make more content this year because I only have like 11 videos on my channel or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> I need more. I need to like triple what I got by the end of the year. So yeah. <laughs> I was I went on Twitter. I was like, what do people want me to do? And I just thought eh, podcast maybe. And surprisingly, a lot of people wanted it. And a lot of people wanted like a Q&A video with the characters from the Peace Guild. So I was like, I'll do both of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, um, one's, that one's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm in the very early stages of that. That won't come out for a while yet. But mm -hmm. um, I figured I could start the podcast now. I, it's way, you know, it's weird. It's like easier than animation or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how weird is that? How's it going, players? Not. Nah, I'm not gonna start. <laughs> I'm not starting with that. Oh, the editing's gonna be so fun. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Welcome to Podcasts and Players. I'm Coolboy Shane, and my guest today is an animator from YouTube, uh, much like myself, but probably better. Uh, she is working on a series right now called Poino Island, and has her own. Uh, separate side thing going with a storybook tales of D and D. It is none other than Anna, aka Tunes. Welcome to the podcast. Hey guys and everyone. Yeah, all two people listening. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is my first episode, so I don't have super high expectations. But thank you for for being here and being uh, my first guest. I appreciate it. Of course, it sounded really fun to do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um how are you doing today? How's life treating you in this new year of 2020? Um pretty good. Getting pretty busy with like all these art things on the side that I'm doing. Oh yeah. I I feel like that's really important is staying busy. When people get bored, that's when I I don't know. Personally, that's when I get like the most uh not happy is when I'm bored and I don't know what to do. So having projects oh, yeah. helps me out for sure. Um, we're going to get right into that, actually. Can I ask you your first interview question? What led you to making D&D content on YouTube? Ooh, so I love this. So because I did think I was doing animation for a while, I wanted to like put out stuff for a portfolio and just have things for it. So I started doing animations and I wanted to, I was like, what something, what's a topic that I like and I know other people like and that's why I'm like oh I love D&D &D. that's such a good thing and then you know I put that together and just started doing um my channel Tunes. awesome I, I feel like that's similar to a lot of D&D uh, &D animators is just like I want to make art but I want it to be fun what's fun D&D <laughs> &D is fun <laughs> Um, I also relate to that uh, portfolio building mm -hmm. thing, too, because, um, well, a little bit, just because having something out there kind of like in the public, people can see it, you know, like if you ever wanted to get a job as uh, in, in art or anything, you could be like, what have you done? You'd be like, well, here it is. Here's a link. Check it out. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's good content. Look at it. <laughs> Look at it. Look at it. Um, you actually said recently in a video that you didn't want to go into animation. Can you tell us more about your shift towards, uh, you said storyboarding, and how was your trip to the CTN Expo? Yeah, so for a while, like, I, I've always wanted to just only tell stories, and I thought animation was the only way to do it. But then, like, um, when I went to the CTN, it kind of helped clear it up for me. And, like, I didn't want to do all the frame by frame stuff anymore like professional wise I just wanted to have like that power that storyboarding has to tell the story and 
show it visually. Right. But you would probably still use little bits of animation here and there if it would like help communicate an idea better, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. How like what uh what exactly is the CTN Expo cuz I'm not clear on exactly what what goes on there. I forget what the what CTN stands for, but it's this giant um animation convention that's held in Burbank and it's in uh they do it at the Marriott Hotel. I think that's how you say it. The Marriott or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one. Uh but cuz Burbank is like full of animation studios too, so it's the perfect place. Yeah. And so there's So it's not like animation is in an anime convention where there's lots of fans. It's more of like a professional convention for people who want to get into animation. Oh yeah, like tons of networking. There's mostly all the studios are there like um Disney uh, I don't think Cartoon Network was uh, DreamWorks and like yeah, just all the really big names over there. That's awesome. And then there's there's like panels from them too, and they show you like behind the scenes or how you can do things. Just there's just so much things like. Do you have to sign like an NDA for like each booth you go to? Like we're gonna show you something, but if you say anything <laughs> online, we're gonna ruin your life. Um, there was one panel. It was a guy that did work for that love robots show on netflix he showed us things and like at the beginning of the panel he's like no one can take pictures of this this is not in public anywhere so please do not take pictures they kind of just say it at like the panels okay so it's almost like an honor system yeah i'm like i'm wondering if like someone did pull out their phone as they're like doing they're like hey hey get him and then like that guy gets tackled (laughs) they take the phone they like snap it in half in front of them what do we say (laughs) god they're like man they don't fuck around over here (laughs) um oh by the way you can curse if you want to i just i didn't say that earlier but that's uh now with this new Kappa thing, I don't want people to mistake my channel for like a child channel so Uh, after the first minute or so go for it (laughs) It's um, okay. I I don't swear too much. Like, other than when I'm playing games, that's usually when I'm swearing. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. my brother's like that too. Um, let's see. I I took a look at your profile on YouTube, and mm-hmm. it says you like video games, making crafts, and you enjoy the horror genre. So here's some three rapid fire questions for you. What's your favorite <laughs> video games, horror media, and kinds of crafts that you make? Oh gosh. You can Honestly, go one at a time. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So for video games, like, honestly, one of my very favorites is The Sims, just because you can get really, like, creative, but also, like, OCD with things. I just love that. And um, the crazy stories that can happen in Sims and out of context, um, things you could say, too. I, I love The Sims, too. I used to play... Uh, two and three all the time. Uh huh. What was the next one? <laughs> oh, uh, horror genre you like? What's your favorite horror media? I was gonna say horror movies, but I'm like, well, there's books and games, so I wasn't sure what you preferred. Um, I would say probably the movies, just cause it's always it's like, I mean, all all of them were like hit and miss, but it's easier to just sit through like what uh hour half two hour movie and just see if you like it or not or like yeah it's that was good it's that was scary or damn that was really good (laughs) right it's less of a commitment than a book or a a game where you have to spend way more hours getting through it uh right now i actually just got the book house of leaves because i heard that (gasps) one it's a really good read i I read that i read that for college Oh, damn. For, for we had, it was a very strange professor, but she like demanded that we all read this. She Whoa. was, she was weird. She was an odd lady, but I'm so thankful that that was like reading material. I have the book like on my bookshelf and it is one uh-huh. of the most creative books that I've ever laid eyes on. It is very cool. Yeah. Anyone listening, you should read House of Leaves. It's, it makes you think about stuff. It's really great. Uh, what think, did like, what did you th- did I, you just buy it or have you read it yet? Um, I bought it in December. So and then, but right now, oh, I'm also like reading through Tomie from Junji Ito. I got uh, like the whole volume of it. Tom, what is that one? 
Oh, dude. So, uh, Junji Ito. Um, Wait, is that the guy with the holes in the cliff face? And it's like, that's my hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that. I know that. I've read some of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is like one of the other, like, uh, big popular ones of his. And it's like, this girl, this dead girl that just keeps coming back and torturing um this her classmates and stuff like that. Ooh. Yeah. And and this is I a want... visual novel, right? Oh yeah. Dude, his art is just amazing. He so has... yeah, I'm definitely trying to get into like horror reading and stuff too. Yeah, he has a knack for that. I, I really I'm not like I'm selective with horror. I love the genre. Mm-hmm. But I don't like being scared. I just like monsters and stuff. Like, it's kind of why I like <laughs> uh-huh. gothic horror because I'm rarely scared by Dracula or werewolves. But like, I think they're awesome, which is one of the reasons why I dug Curse of Strahd so much. Yeah. And then uh, the last one was, uh, what kind of crafts do you make? Oh, so I've always made like, I guess. So I did cosplay like a lot, like in the past couple years, because in Hawaii we had the only anime convention we had was called kawaii con and then okay. <laughs> kawaii hawaii yes yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so i have like i did cosplays in the past five years probably that's so fun to do like and just like getting to take pictures with other people that are doing it too it's just a really fun experience yeah i wish i could i, I want to cosplay i'm just i'm not very good with uh making costumes do it. Just watch a bunch of videos. <laughs> I, when am I going to put all that stuff, all that extra material? Oh, yeah. I do have a Halloween uh, costume box. Maybe I'll just, that'll that'll be my cosplay box uh-huh. in the future. What kind of cosplays did you do, though? I'm curious. Um, I, I did Anna from Overwatch one year. And then I did um, me and... Um, me and my boyfriend, he we did Fooly Cooly. Uh, he was the the TV robot head. Nice. And I was I was Haruko. I think that's her name. The pink hair one. Yeah, uh, Miss yeah. Vespa, the yellow Vespa lit girl. Yeah, and like I made the guitar, the bass guitar, like out of cardboard, and then people thought it was real. <laughs> oh, nice. That's a really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's like a compliment. <laughs> yeah, and then. Oh, a fun one we did was uh, Mysterion and the Coon. I was obviously Mysterion, the cooler one. <laughs> oh. That's 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 such a wide range of different things. Yeah. And I think another one we did was uh, we did Super Smash. So you get to choose any character. I chose uh, Pit because I like using him for, I think, the Wii one. That's the one I had. Okay. Yeah. Uh, side question. What's What do you mm-hmm. main on Smash? Uh, right now, uh, what's her name? Uh, Peach. No, not Peach. The sister, Daisy. Since Daisy. they have like the alternate. Yeah. I see. I was gonna say I. So I don't actually own the new Smash Bros because I don't have any friends to play with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wish I was joking. Well, now you got me. <laughs> um, but yeah, whenever I play Smash Bros, I used to be a Kirby dude. Um, oh, dude, Kirby's great. Kirby's great, but. Uh, there's something about Peach and her umbrella and her booty bump that I'm just like all about. <laughs> it, she's just like she's uncharacter. Well, I guess it's not uncharacteristic for her, but in the game, she's super graceful. Uh-huh. Where she like can be falling and then just hey, she's not falling anymore. She's floating. So the person expects to hit a certain area and then she just floats away, and it like drives people insane. It's really fun <laughs> to play. Um, so I I feel that man, uh, Princess Power mm-hmm. and all that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, you also play ukulele. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you learn and what inspired you to use it in your YouTube content? So, man, I I would say I started like in fourth grade and then I was in a ukulele club at school. And then the thing, too, was that my brother, he played so many instruments like ukulele, guitar, piano. And then he's like he inspired me to like play music, too. Awesome. I uh, I. I bought a ukulele like 2016, like February 2016, Mm -hmm. brought it with me uh, when I went overseas and like kind of learned to play it. Um, Uh And I could never get to the the finger picking parts like I could always do the strumming, but I could never do like (laughs) melodic stuff. Uh, So 
Do you have like an example of uh, your music anywhere or is it more of like a hobby for you? Um, I do like secretly write music, but I have, I'm actually planning to like record those and like make an album at some point. Nice. Um, but like, I don't do pickings either because I don't really understand it. And then I just like strumming and just singing along with it mostly. Um, do you do you write some of the music that you do in Puyuno Island? Like, is that some of the stuff that you've made? Um, like which like parts? well, for example, when you when there's like a, a musical cue, uh, it's like a ukulele like uh, strings are playing, and so I was wondering if you did those oh. yourself or if you found those somewhere. Oh, like the kind of like the Mickey Mousey stuff. Yeah, like yeah, I did that. Yeah, I, I did those ones. It's kind of just like playing around and stuff. That's really cool. I, I That was something that I noticed that I really liked about that uh, that production because it, it gives it its own sort of – it's very unique. Like it's its own feel um, mm-hmm. that I haven't really seen in anything else. Uh, speaking of, what is the symbolism behind the tortoise? That's something I, I personally want to know. Oh, my logo? Yeah, your that logo. One? Oh, was it so like i i just randomly wanted a logo to represent my channel and i was like huh what it's like what's like hawaiian theme so i was going through like flowers hibiscus or coconuts i'm like turtles cool i guess (laughs) i really like it i like that he does a little flipper thing and then you hear that do 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 and yeah (laughs) starts the video it's it's very short to the point and you know exactly Mm -hmm. who's making it my friend, she like asked me to edit a video for her for her auto club, and then I did it for her. And she's like, "Wait, where's your where's your turtle thing?" And I'm like, "What? You want me to put in the video?" And she's like, "I love it. It's so cute." I'm like, "I guess." So yeah, it's a winner. <laughs> I really cute. like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I know you explained this in a, a video earlier, but I kind of want you to go over it again if you could. Um, what mm-hmm. does D and D Akin mean? Oh, so it's actually a D and the kind. So the kind. Oh, so the kind is like it's a pigeon word, and pigeon is like this sort of language that we have in Hawaii, where um, it's a mix of all like the different um, ethnicities that live like there, because there's just so much, um, and then it kind of comes all together, and then. It's it's pretty much I think it it's actually a language now. Like a couple of years ago, they made it an actual language, but the kind is kind of like it's almost like a filler word. Like it can mean anything. Like oh, the kind is over the kind. <laughs> like maybe it's like saying oh, the man is like over there kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Is it? It's not like uh. Is it kind of like um? You know, or you're trying to think what to say, so you say dakain, or is it more of a, it's just like a general word, almost like stuff, where, uh, get your dakain or something like that? Or is it just a word, like, could you be, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to understand this, you know? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, it kind of, like, it kind of just works for anything. It's, it's weird. <laughs> I guess, I guess I just have to hear it, uh, used by people, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and uh, that's uh, that's my interview of you. But I, I have one more extra question because you've mentioned Hawaii a couple times. Um, oh, you yeah. don't you don't currently live in Hawaii, is that correct? No. So yeah, I lived there like my entire life, and then I just we just moved out to California in like uh one two almost two years ago. Yeah. What prompted the? Well, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what prompted mm-hmm. the move? Yeah. Um, it was mainly because, like, because of animation, like, there, it's completely non-existent in Hawaii. There's nothing to really do with it. So right. I, that's why I kind of moved out here. I'm like, this is the place for it. And, like, anyone that moves to, like, L.A. is like, yeah, this is the place <laughs> to be. How are you so like just kind of getting there. It is very different. Man, it was, like, a culture shock to me. It's, it's so different from Hawaii and the people here like are very fast paced and louder and it's just something I'm still getting used to and you know being more of those art people that kind of just like to stay indoors 
Yeah, that's I feel yeah. that, I feel that a lot. I live oh, in yeah. a downtown area, um, mm-hmm. and because it's downtown, it's a, like kind of fast paced and stuff. And I I don't leave my house if I don't have to. You know, like I I just yeah. stay in and work on my stuff. And if I have to leave, I guess I could go do a quick trip <laughs> and come back. But you know, I totally feel that. So what's uh, I guess what's your plan for? Like the immediate future, I don't want to ask you what your ten-year plan is, but like, uh, what's your like plan for this year? You know, your New Year's resolutions. Oh, definitely, I am rebuilding my portfolio and just like, um, I have a studio in mind that I do want to apply for for storyboard, Ooh. and it's just like right in Burbank too. Uh, f- help me out. Where's Burbank in relation to LA? Is that like a like a metropolitan <laughs> or uh, Dude, sorry, suburban so like, area? Like, I don't even know where things are here still. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm very confused. <laughs> Sorry, I guess people, I'm asking the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, people, like, I work, like, right now I have, like, a part-time job, and people ask me where things are. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's fair. All right, let's 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 move to something a little bit more interesting for the both of us because it's it's uh, a shared interest we have uh D D or role-playing i wanted to ask what is your favorite character that you've ever played in a role-playing game that i've played that you've played as yeah hmm it's so hard because when you're like when you're the dm there's so many characters that you're thinking about Do, are you a forever dm um mostly like i've only played two two times or not three times i've been a player actually i know that uh adventure dork has done a couple like one shots with you and aiden um, yeah was are you counting those or like are you kind of are you just thinking of like uh campaigns and stuff um yeah i'm just thinking of it uh, of all of them wow yeah I, that's it's kind of heartbreaking. You need to be a player more. <laughs> What's a, all right? Then let me let me rephrase. What's a character yeah. you've always wanted to play? I've always wanted to play. Yeah. Man, that's a hard one too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let me let me switch I, gears again then. All right, because I, I think would I say like I mostly just like I like being NPCs because I get to be different people and. I get to be as ridiculous as I can. Okay. I was just about to ask that too. I was like, let's okay. let's talk about NPCs <laughs> then cuz you you have more way more experience with that. Mm-hmm. So, I have been mostly a player. I've been blessed to have a friend group that uh has people that all know the rules and so DM's like responsibility can be traded off to different people. Mm-hmm. So, I I haven't had to DM too many times. But something that I noticed when I do DM is that playing NPCs is some of the most satisfying stuff I've ever had to do. Um, so I want to ask, like, what is by far, even if other people didn't really care for it, like, what was your favorite mm-hmm. NPC to play? I feel like, huh? I remember there was this one. It was like not that. It was a very short timed NPC that the characters um, bumped into, <laughs> but. It made it such a funny experience that I'm pretty sure me and all the players will remember. But the players got to this kind of flooded town. And one of the other characters, uh, one of the players we had to like kill off in a way because he couldn't play anymore. Oh, so, yeah. That's that's so always we, sad. <laughs> we made him like, uh, I just left him to drown like in the... <laughs> Short flooded water on the ground. <laughs> He's just face down in a puddle. <laughs> yeah. And then they had to borrow a boat to get to an island that was in the middle of the lake. So they talked to the ferryman. And this ferryman, I made him so he didn't have any eyes. Like he just had eye holes. Ew. And then. He didn't even it, bother wrapping them up. They were just open to the no. elements. It's yeah. like a bird's nest in one of them. <laughs> But the the players were like freaked out, and they just needed a boat. And the ferryman was just like giving them a hard time, 
and then so they made the they made a deal with him to give him the eyes of the dead player. Holy and then, shit! Yeah. So he gave him the vote after. Yep, that's a that's a funny one. Damn, that's how ridiculous! Like I like to get with these NPCs. I like how you could have just had a fairy man, but you're like, how do I make this more interesting? I know, <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of both of his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing with like improving and not having i like like, i I like not having npcs ready just because it's like whoa yeah like exactly like how can i make this guy more interesting i that's i've had this happen a couple times too there was one time i was running curse of strahd and Mm -hmm. uh there's like a random encounters thing and i wanted to just i didn't want to just go by the book the whole time so i rolled a random encounter while they are on the road and the encounter had like a um one of the like natives, they're like these people that can turn into uh, giant ravens. They're called were ravens. And mm-hmm. there was one injured on the road in like human form or whatever. And so in Curse of Strahd, everyone's got sort of this like Slavic name, like uh, uh, Kolyan Indidovich and like all this stuff. And so <laughs> they met this guy on the road and they're like, what's your name? And he's like, Tony. And they're like, Tony. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and I had to save it. So I was like, uh, yeah, it's short for Antonio. <laughs> so Antonio is a uh, 1950s New York or a New Yorker greaser dude with like a, a, a white sh- T-shirt with the, the little sleeves rolled up to the shoulders and a pompadour. <laughs> because the, in that just in that moment, that one moment where I said Antonio, that's I knew who he was. And he became like this. He's not in the book. Like, he's not a person in... You're not going to find Antonio in the Curse of Strahd module, but he was a fixture in the campaign for, like, three sessions. Uh, he even helped them, like, fight in one of the battles, and he uh, he's like, I need some help over here! <laughs> oh, man. You're, That's, like, like, the best thing. Yeah, those the spontaneous ones can sometimes be, like, some of the funnest uh, NPCs to play. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever planned an NPC that was, like, particularly... Like, what about villains, for example? Because mm. I know you got to plan villains usually. Yeah. I feel like... It's weird. The ones that I had, like, big villain, like, the big bad evil guy in, I... Because I made it so, like, the players didn't meet him until the very end. Okay. So there wasn't, like... It was, like, I kind of just built him in the beginning of the campaign and just kind of left it. So I never, like... I don't think I've ever really worked as much on villains more more on like the random characters that they do meet yeah and just like interesting situations here's a situation you're in here's what you want and here's obstacles what do you do kind of let them figure it out yeah i respect that i i'm kind of a sucker for writing uh villains who are just saturday morning cartoon caricatures like mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's because I like role playing a villain. I like doing the evil laugh and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so satisfying. I think you know what? I here's where I got the bug though. Um, my first campaign that I played, I, I like the first uh, adventure video that I made where Malkishar dies. I made a new character after that, and the party was kind of larger, and we were going through this cave system trying to like get rid of the goblins. And mm-hmm. at one point, we are like in this underground abandoned dwarven city and the goblins have like surrounded us and we're we're low on health out of spells we're we will die if we fight we hear nothing for a moment and then we hear like a slow and we're like who is slow clapping and we look out like the window of this wrecked house and there's like this big like 50 foot wide maybe a 30 foot high like cave entrance like like a dark tunnel that just leads out of this huge underground city and mm-hmm. that clapping is echoing down and the person who is revealed is this woman with like crazed eyes she looks like a sorceress of some kind she's wearing like this tiara that's clearly magical and she's flanked on both sides by like 10 goblins each some of whom are like wielding like fiery like torches and stuff and we're all like oh man big bad time her her confidence and the way that our dm just like stared at us when he was clapping he had this evil smile on his face (laughs) 
Oh, man. I don't know. Something about that was like, I want to do that every uh-huh. time there's a villain. I want a villain who's like that sort of freaky where everyone's like, what the hell is going yeah. on? There was, um, man, there is a guy who turns out to be the villain, but it's like, it's in Poyino you know, Island, so I can't, I don't want to say it because oh, yeah. don't, it'll don't be spoil shown. It. Yeah. Uh, well, can I ask them what, like, for, uh, for writing stories, right? Not just for characters, mm-hmm. but like since you DM a lot, how do you go about writing your story arcs? So I usually like when I start it, I usually either find something basic to start with, or I'll like pull or borrow from something I've seen recently, or something that me or the players do like. Like there's one that I just wrote out recently, and. For World of Warcraft, they just came out with uh, releasing the trailer for Shadowlands, the next expansion. And it's like, it's they open up a whole new world, which for like, um, I think it's like the dead side, something like that. But I kind of took the idea where it's like, what if the player gets pulled into a completely different plane? Because I've never worked with other planes in D&D, so I'm like, maybe I'll try that. So I was researching planes and stuff. And then I saw, I think it's called Bytopia, which oh, is, yeah. you've re- you heard about it, yeah? Yeah, this is a, um, which one, is this neutral good area or is this a chaotic good area? I think it's neutral good. And okay. then it's like the bottom is kind of mirrored to the top. So there's not really much of a sky. You just see another land above you. Oh, it's almost like Halo, but it's like you're like inside a sphere or something. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, uh, what what tips could you give someone like me who doesn't know how to write campaigns uh, in in writing for uh, for for not just other planes and stuff, but uh-huh. like like how do you hook your players? For example, I feel like that's one of the hardest things for DMs is like getting a hook because you could like mm-hmm. spend all this time on like the quest givers' plight, like we need help, blah blah blah, and they're just like we're gonna go. Uh, hang out with this random throwaway NPC you made named Larry, and that's all. We're just gonna hang out with him. That's all we're gonna do. We refuse to play your adventure, and it's like, how do you get around that? <laughs> so what's nice is that I usually play with the same people like all the time, and then I take what I like or what and what we're all like interested in, and I think I usually I usually start off like very lightly in the beginning just to get a feel of what the players. Are looking for like even like looking to your backstory and stuff so so you would you say that knowing your players and like their motive like their motivations as players helps you when you write your stories oh yeah definitely i think the thing too is like when i do build a story is like i do i think of the beginning and the end but like very lightly until i get until i do get that more feel of how the play how they want to play the game because that's the thing that you, sh- like, I guess as a DM, DM, you should think about is, like, how do your players want to enjoy this time? Right. You, you've you never done anything like uh, like playing random people on Roll20 or Discord or something, right? Uh, no, but I had, I've had, like, new people come in and stuff. Right. But was that with already established people, like, that you knew already? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think new players is is something, but like so so something I I do sometimes while I'm working is I'll put mm-hmm. on a uh, YouTube videos in the background that tell stories of like from RPG horror stories uh, Reddit, and so some of the stuff that they talk about like it's always more often than not maybe not always some of the stuff that they talk about is like. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, we just decided to start playing um, with a bunch of randos. And, oh, surprise, one of those randos was awful. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you agree to do that? Like, you know it's a bad experience. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of obvious you should, like, vet people beforehand. Oh, yeah. It's like, um, what do you expect? <laughs> right. So... So I think I think that would get around a lot of those problems. Like a lot of people are like, how do I get my party uh, to stop murder hoboing? And it's like, well, 
Do you know the people you're playing with? Like, are they naturally murder hoboey, like teenager type people? Like, maybe that's what they want to play, and you shouldn't try to railroad them on something they don't want to do. Yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, I guess I, it sounds like in your experience, like with the people you play, you guys kind of want a bigger adventure. Pretty much, yeah. Like, I feel like what the best things to come out of when I play with them. The people I play with is random events more than the story. I see. Yeah. Do you like uh, chain stuff together after the fact? So like when you do a random event and there's just all these like isolated incidents, Mm -hmm. do you like after you've already done all this somehow tie them all together in some way? Or do you as you're doing it think, oh, you know what? This could tie into the big bads, evil plants. I'll just add something sometimes but not usually just because like there's there's times where like um when we meet up and play i don't have like such a big plan what they should be doing so that's why i kind of just pull random events or from online or whatever so you would you i think maybe it'd be accurate to say that you are more reactive with your players like they kind of communicate what they intend to do and that gives you ideas sort of on the fly, and then you roll with that? Yes. Yes. Oh, I see. All right. I like that. I actually, that was my, I've had several different DMs throughout the time that I've played um, role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And every DM I've noticed has, like, their own kind of style. And my first DM is very much kind of the way that you're describing, where they had plot hooks, but, like, we didn't need to follow any of them. And Oftentimes we did not. (laughs) And so he would just like, he wouldn't really prepare much. He just like, he did a little bit of world building. He kind of knows what the world looks like. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, all right, I know some of the figures in this world and all that. And you guys can just do what you want. And there's not like necessarily a quest that we have to be going on. Yeah. We can just explore and do what we want. But he also made it so that we couldn't just go anywhere because he would make certain areas so unforgivably hard that we (laughs) would have to work our way up to those places so do you do anything like that do you put like really powerful things out there that uh are maybe might be a little bit too much for the party to kind of keep them away from areas that they shouldn't be going in right away so i feel like that's something i do fall short on because i'm too forgiving and i because personally like i don't like the feeling of losing a character Hmm. but i i feel like probably my players don't care but like i still like don't like the feeling so i don't usually like put them against anything incredibly hard i yeah i I understand that i i think i'm the same way when i dm um Mm. i feel like i don't challenge them enough like i want them to person so personally when i play what i really get a kick out of is getting through really like harrowing dangerous situations where we could die at literally any moment (laughs) And somehow getting through it with most of us still up, maybe, or maybe just like one person is alive and everyone's unconscious, but we won, mm-hmm. and like that person had to stabilize everyone. <laughs> so it was a near TPK. That has happened to me so many times, and it's so satisfying when you when it's like just barely enough of a challenge where it's like uh, it's almost too much, but you, you were able to do it. And sometimes it's a lucky die roll that saves you, but. Yeah. I guess I guess I did that so often early on that losing a character, like having a character die doesn't scare me. It doesn't make mm-hmm. me feel bad. It just as long as it was like the dice gods willed it, you know what I yeah. mean? So if you maybe I think if you were to put some bigger challenges out there, mm-hmm. uh, as long as you communicate like to the players in some way, like this thing is huge or this thing uh, is a little bit more dangerous than what you think you're maybe used to or something like that. Like hint at them, like maybe you're not ready for this. Uh, That way they can make the decision of whether or not they want to challenge that thing or a retreat. Mm -hmm. Because then like, if you kind of leave it up to them, it allows for them to have agency over their own demise. So it's not you killing them. (laughs) You just, you know, they killed themselves by running at this thing that was out of their league. You know what I mean? Yeah. For example, like a dragon lands in front of them. I fight the dragon. You're level two. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> you, I mean, like I, like, I usually don't, like, I don't make it, like, extremely easy to. Like, I just make it, like, just just somewhat difficult. Just so it's, like, not such a breeze for them to play through. Because, like, my players have faced, like, near-death experiences. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't I wasn't accusing you no, or no, anything. No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I just feel like at least for me, like I could definitely stand to throw more challenges. I think some of my favorite like times DMing was when I either killed a person or almost killed a person. <laughs> and it wasn't because I'm spiteful or anything, but uh-huh. it's like I knew that I presented them a challenge that really made it difficult or not difficult but it made it hard for them to uh, they had to think you know what i mean like they had to really think about what they were going to do and how they were going to do it they couldn't just yeah i like getting to push your players to do that to think yeah that's i think that's really my goal anyway like Mm -hmm. what for you when you dm what's your like most What's the most fun you have when you DM? Like, what what really, like, gets you all giddy and smiley and stuff when it happens? <laughs> Pretty much the random events. Like, because I don't... I kind of dread doing combat because I feel impatient sometimes, like myself. And then it makes me feel like the party's getting impatient, but they're not. So I, I'm usually, like, the event part, especially when it's, like, random. That makes me more, like, excited and stuff. Okay. I guess it's also because you don't even know what's going to happen, too. So you're like, I guess we're doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I For a while, I was kind of against random events. Mm-hmm. This was early on when I started playing because I was like, what? You didn't plan ahead? I, I thought like that was like a sign of somebody not being – like not really taking the care that they should have in this imaginary world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've realized later that it wasn't that they're not prepared or that they didn't world build or whatever, but it was like – Sometimes you get boring with the stuff that you come up with, and it's kind of nice to have a ran- a table generate something for you that even you didn't. Now you have to have this in your world. Like, oh, yes. you found uh, a cult of satyrs having a party in the woods. It's not even the Feywild, and this happens. So now what? <laughs> <laughs> One more uh, thing I wanted to ask about was with uh, – you, you play mostly with, like, people you know. Have you ever mm-hmm. had inner – like out of game conflicts with players that made it sort of hard to like, did you ever have to mediate a conflict between people that like happened out of game because of uh, well, whatever the reason was, you don't have to go into details, but like, like let's, let's say for example, uh, a player is like a munchkin and they're all mechanical and they don't want to role play or anything like that. And so they're kind of m- making it difficult for everybody else to enjoy the game. Like how would you deal with a situation like that? So like I've, I've never really had to deal with the problem because, like, I've always, like, just played with the people I know. But, I mean, I would just, like, come out straight and just talk to the person and just kind of tell them, like, yo, um, you know, other people aren't enjoying it because of blah and stuff. And then kind of figure out what what would be better. Okay. So you, you, def- you definitely mediate if, if that was something like that were to happen. Oh, yeah. I guess you've been pretty lucky then. You got, like really good players and stuff yeah <laughs> i, I kind of envy you a little bit i know i'm always seeing like um as i used to be subscribed to the D subreddit and then like i just kept seeing people complain about players or their dms and i just like uh i'm not gonna be sub to this anymore <laughs> yeah all right and uh to kind of close this off i suppose what's something that you think people who are like DMing should know? Like what's a piece of advice that you want to give like new DMs? I feel like, so there's a, I don't know if you heard of the Lazy Dungeon Master book, but that's a really good like short book to help you get started with stories for, or campaigns for D- D&D. And yeah, I have not heard of that. It's really good. It also, I think, I haven't read it in a while, but they do have an audible for it too, which is funny. <laughs> they, um, I don't know if it was from that book or if it was from, I used to watch Fistful of Dice when I started playing D&D or writing stories. But the main tip I got from it was that to not like overplan so much. Like uh, a method that you can do for like places or people is like get the index card method where you write a couple bullet points to just describe the person, like give them life. But because they can be built while you're doing the game and, you know, you take those notes, you add to it and totally pull and borrow things like even Google things if you have to, like there's no shame in doing it. Just just take it 
because it's going to change in your story and not like copywriting does anything in D&D stories. <laughs> right. It's for fun. You're not, you know. Yeah. This isn't... Uh... If you play, uh, you know, Storm King's Thunder, you're not claiming to own the rights to Storm King's yeah, Thunder. No. Like, you're just playing a module. It's yeah. not a big deal. Same with if, oh, we're in the Game of Thrones universe and we're playing through the TV show or something yeah. like that. And, like, with planning lightly for certain things, like, it avoids you from, like, railroading and, like, having that disappointment, like, oh, my players didn't do this thing that I wanted them to do. But the thing too is like with that, if you want them to do that thing, like you don't have to make it, um, make them go straight to it. You can always still build towards it. Right. Yeah. I guess something I've experienced is uh, we played where we didn't take the bait that the DM gave us. Mm. Like we didn't pursue the big bad or whatever. And so they're like, okay, and we just did our own thing, but then like the world started to like change in really oh, radical ways. And we're like, cool. what's happening? And they're like, oh, uh, well, you never stopped that guy, so now he's unopposed, <laughs> and now the world is going to end, and there's nothing you can do about. It. And like we had to like figure out a way to like somehow retroactively get back on track. And so sometimes like that can work. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I've noticed that like you know having consequences for disinterested players like it's not necessarily a punishment it's just it's like well you you don't have to deal with this now but by not dealing with this now you are creating more obstacles for yourself later Mm -hmm. in a way you know what i mean it's like imagine going to town and they're like we've heard reports of undead coming out of the forest and attacking the farms and stuff around town can you help? And the people are like, no. And then they like go somewhere else, right? I don't know why you'd be playing an adventure where you don't help out a farm town or whatever. But then like they come back and that town's just destroyed because they didn't they didn't stop the threat, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, like consequences is good. So I guess one more thing, like for railroading. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you don't you don't really do that because you like the random yeah. randomness and stuff like that. You also, um, actually, this has nothing to do with railroading. <laughs> I actually want to talk about randomizing like magic items and stuff. How do you feel about uh, oh. <laughs> randomizing treasure and things like that on uh, tables? Oh gosh, I I wing things so hard in D and D. Like, do you give them like stuff that they're really not ready to have? Like, you get a sphere of annihilation <laughs> what level are you five it's like it's because like because i don't look at a lot of things in the book and then i will give them very very random items like i know there was a game that we played uh this one i was a player but uh the one that was dm did the same thing that i do <laughs> we had one of our players he likes to like say make up random things so he we were like swimming in the water and then he was the player's like oh i'm pulling out my daggers and my daggers have fins and we're just like what <laughs> and then <laughs> he takes like 10 minutes to explain to everyone and then everyone's confused and we're drawing pictures to figure out what it looks like and then in the end the D- the person that was dm was like you know what because you worked so hard you can have that item <laughs> So I do yeah, that. That's a bold move. Yeah, like I do that thing too, but then I also try to not to make it so like overpowered too. Yeah, if it's like a spontaneous thing like, "Oh, I had it the whole time." Got to like not yeah. make it cuz otherwise they'd be using it all the time and then it would become you have to nerf it or something. Yeah. There is um in the campaign we did two two campaigns we did ago. I think the player wanted a boat or something and then i think i just turned like this piece of wood into this phony boat i forget how it happened but he ended up having like this phony boat that's just a piece of wood so like like a stick or like a plank or something that like it was like like a short like plank okay how does it work like uh is it i'm like trying to imagine in my head and i'm like struggling is it does it is there like a fabric or something that's rolled in it and then like you unfurl it and then it becomes a boat um no it's like just like um it pretty much just folded up into like a smaller piece of wood 
whoa. Yeah. It's like Jacob's Ladder type situation. <laughs> All right. What's, uh, I guess, on the subject, what's your favorite magic item that you've either created or mm-hmm. uh, found on a table that you gave your players? I think one of the cool ones that they didn't use, and it was, um, it's in Poyun Island. It's a water cannon. <laughs> a, a water cannon. Yeah. Not like a... <laughs> Not like a decanter of endless water, but an actual cannon. Yeah, but the thing is, like, they needed water to be around to actually use it as a water cannon. Other than, like, if they didn't, then it would just puff out air and nothing else. Okay. Was the air at least, like, powerful, or was it just kind of like a... I think I made the air do, like, I split a D4 in half. I would just, like, cut the... uh, Whatever they roll on D4 and just cut it in half. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. It's very weak. There's a lot of uses you could do for something like that. Yeah. All right. So we're kind of getting to that time. Would you like to tell our lovely listeners what social media platforms that they can find you on? Well, I only have um, my Twitter uh, at Crunktato. I think that's what that one's under. And my Instagram under Crunktatoons. And of course, the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to her. She's awesome. She's very talented. And uh, she's almost at a thousand. She's so close. <laughs> Please help her out, people. Do if you it. like my stuff, you're going to love her stuff. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll talk again soon. Of course. This was great. Let's do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm.